everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. This is the podcast once a week where we take a look at the streaming services and we encourage you to dig a little bit deeper and to find the hidden gems on that service that you can watch. And this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing it. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. So great to be back with you once again. Uh, today is one of those days where I just would like to like just disappear into this very comfortable hoodie I'm wearing. It's, it, it's, I, it's, I'm like the opposite of Ice Cube. I had a bad day, but my day Aww. has improved. My day has improved exponentially because I am here with you now. And we're going to be talking about one of my, one of the more underrated streaming services out there in Amazon Prime, because yeah. every time I think, every time I go into Amazon Prime, I think to myself, man, I'm going to struggle to find some things. But then I was like, wow, they've actually got some good, they've actually got some good stuff in here. They've got most of the James Bond movies on there, except for the Craig ones. All of the Star Trek movies, you know, for all CBS's talk about how they're going to be all Star Trek all the time. And yet here on Amazon Prime, I can watch all of Star Trek original, Star Trek next gen, all of the movies. I mean, maybe with the exception of Discovery, but anyway, side road. Amazon Prime is really, really good. Yeah, I think that the first time that we talked about them, I think this is our third time, I believe, covering Amazon. And we talked about how much good stuff there was, and there really, really is. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about some of the hidden gems over there. Uh, and they have a lot of Christmas movies. They have uh, a, like you said, James Bond. They have a lot of shows, Marvelous Miss Meitzel, uh, for instance, very popular over there on Amazon Prime. So let us know your favorites uh, from on Amazon Prime. We would love to talk about that. And uh, so why don't you start us off and share your first pick? So my first pick is a, uh, is a TV show. Well, it's a miniseries, actually. Uh, it's from 2014, and it is called The Making of the Mob Chicago. I believe in either the last Amazon episode or the one before, I recommended The Making of the Mob New York. And I said, next time around, I'd be recommending the sequel show, The Making of the Mob Chicago. And so that time has come. Uh, the Making of the Mob Chicago was produced by AMC, and this was around the time where they were just making some, like, top-shelf television. They had just wrapped up Breaking Bad, Walking Dead was still relatively hot, and they were doing some really, really good miniseries as well, along with uh, History Channel, but I'll talk about their series uh, some other time. Uh, the Making of the Mob Chicago is a show that is exactly what it sounds like. It tells the story of, uh, of how Al Capone basically used the Great Depression, or wait, not the Great Depression, Prohibition, I know my history, <laughs> to take over the underground and the underbelly of Chicago and basically turn it into his own personal playground. I am fascinated by mob history. It's every time I think to myself, oh, they can't surprise me, they still surprise me again. It, it's one of those it's one of those things where it's 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 endlessly fascinating like even a kind of a subpar mob documentary or a mob drama is still just endlessly entertaining uh and in this show is no different it mixes talking heads with actual acting and 
people actually playing Capone and his cronies. And in, in, and in any other case, it would be like, okay, you got to make a decision. Like you got to go with either the acting part or just like a straight up documentary, but they make it work. Uh, and overall, it's just a very well acted show. I really have no idea how Al Capone sounded in real life. And I don't think we ever will, but the guy who played him was, was about as close as we'll probably ever get. And like I said, this show is just fascinating. It's only like eight episodes and they go for more than, they don't go more than 45 minutes. So it's a relatively quick watch. And, and yeah, mob history is just really, really fascinating stuff, at, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might've actually seen at least the one on Al Capone and uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think he had a kind of a more high pitched voice interesting yeah as i recall i could be wrong about that it's been a while but yeah i do think i think it's interesting to kind of hear about the behind the scenes of almost anything uh even people that are uh that are not very good people it's interesting to hear about how they ended up where they are and how it all worked and and figure out how that so whole organization uh worked and how it was all kind of taken down uh, is also very interesting and so yeah that's a good pick that would be uh, definitely worth a watch uh, so my first pick is argumentally definitely not a hidden gem <laughs> but here I'll prove my case um, so because it's hard to, to say that a show that has 40 seasons is a hidden gem uh, but I love the show Survivor it's the whole reason that I started podcasting was because I started listening to this podcast called Rob Has a Podcast, uh, which is still going on and is really great. I had the honor to be on Rob Has a Podcast last year, which was so exciting for me, with Rob Sestronino. He is a two-time Survivor player, and uh, he built up this amazing podcast from his apartment that he started with just him and his wife, and he it's very inspirational to me um and i love the show and i think the thing that's great about the show is that every single season is different every single win is different uh every single the strategy is always different and it's just fascinating to watch and these people uh coexist uh, together while also playing the game and the strategy and i i just i really love it and i would say the reason why maybe it's a hidden gem is that some of these seasons are definitely hidden gems that even amongst the hardcore survivors are are not as well watched and as well seen so you could have a great time watching a season like uh panama or uh survivor um I love Survivor China, I think is a really, really good season. Um, it's one of the only ones that's not on a beach, which makes it kind of interesting. Uh, and I just think it had a great group of people with James and with Amanda and Todd. His win is really, really, really good. And, and probably one of the best tribal councils they ever had and a really good performance. And you can watch seasons one, three, 12 through 28 on 
Amazon Prime. And they also now just added it to Netflix, but I think it's only two seasons on Netflix. So uh, it's uh, they, they also have season 28, which is Kageon, which is my all-time favorite. And it's so entertaining. Tony is hilarious and really, really great. So I love the show. And uh, so, yeah, I always talk about Survivor whenever I get a chance to. <laughs> have, you, have you ever watched it? I tried and uh and at the time I was just like uh it's not for me. I was mm-hmm. I was an ama- I was an amazing race person which I've actually recommended on on another episode of yeah. Talk about Amazon. So don't feel too bad about recommending <laughs> no. Survivor uh, because the amazing race has been around for uh, for just as long as a survivor right? because survivor premiered in 2000 and amazing race premiered in 2001 so they're like they're like neck and neck with each other and yeah. they're still and they're still going and i think that the amazing race used to have more strategy because they used to be able to i'm going to pick this flight over this flight and or i'm going to do this instead i'm going to find this other way to get there and so there would be all people on all different flights and other things and and now that that doesn't really happen hardly at all and there's just the one flight and pretty much everybody gets it uh, gets on that flight. And so uh, it's, it's, I think it's not, it's, it's entertaining on a social level and it's fun on a, let's look at all these places level, but as far as strategy and game theory, which is something that survivors really strong about, there's also big brother and big brother is, is interesting the social dynamics of it but it's so long and so time intensive whereas survivor is just they just are filming for one month uh whereas the big brothers the whole entire summer and you have three episodes a week and it's just too much it's too much of a time investment and they have the live feeds and uh, so i i i uh they all have their they all have their appeal though and uh, and uh, are are interesting and fun and it's uh, nice to see how different people uh, play the games i think so yeah it's really interesting like cbs was like the king of like these reality like mm-hmm. are these games. technically game shows yeah and in the last season of survivor because they had season 40 was all winter season which was and it was amazing i loved it and uh, they had two million dollar prize which is the largest of any game show ever to give wow it's like cbs for like a really long time was like the king of these reality game shows you know they had survivor amazing race they had fear factor with the with mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, they had, they had just, they had, they had Undercover Boss, which I think is underrated, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. through, like, the late 2000s, early 2010s, they had, like, they had, like, the, they were, like, tier one in terms of, like, these reality game shows, or, well, yeah. Undercover Boss isn't a game show, it's more of a reality show, but yeah. I'm sure you yeah. get my point. Yeah, and I really like the ones that involve a certain degree of strategy, and gameplay about them i think that's interesting but what's your next pick so my next pick is a movie from 2012 and it is called safe uh this stars jason statham and i have a feeling i may have turned some of you off already stay with me this movie's actually (laughs) pretty good 
it tells a story of a guy named Luke Wright, played by Statham, who has pretty much lost everything. Uh, he basically refuses to take, to take a fall in an MMA fight, and so he's basically hunted by the Russian mob, and pretty much everywhere he goes, death follows him. And he has no friends, really, so it's just, it's just rough times for him. But then, through a coincidence, he meets this little Chinese girl, who has the unique ability to memorize any number that you give her. So it could be like the longest, most complicated number you could possibly come up with. And she could be like, I could repeat it back to you, but it would be long and boring. So, so she's really, really good at numbers. And the number that she has memorized in the case of this movie is the safe combination to pretty much the life savings of the Chinese mob, the Russian mob, and the corrupt cops that they have bought. And she has gotten away from them and is now in the hands of Luke Wright. And it's basically an escort mission to get this little girl from point A to point B and keep all the bad people far away. Jason Statham movies kind of get like looked down upon by most people, I feel, and there's some truth to that, but he actually has some pretty good movies. There's this one movie called The Bank Job that was really good. I love him in all the Fast and Furious movies, but I love those movies wholeheartedly anyway. So, I mean, I guess I'm a little biased there, but I think he's, I don't want to say he's like a great actor or anything, but I, I think he's charismatic. He's got energy. He commits fully to everything that he is in. And I think that's very commendable. And I think Safe is one of his very best performances. You feel just the dread that he feels of pretty much having nothing and just being crapped upon by a world that doesn't care about you. And then as soon as he finds this little girl and just tries to protect her, it's like a, a switch flips. And he is like, all right, I gotta, I gotta protect her at all costs. And, there, and there's just... There's just a lot to like about this movie. There's some really, really good action. Some bad, badly filmed action, I will admit. There's a part where Statham is on top of a moving subway train. That's really the one, the one moment of the movie where I check out. Or like, it goes from like John Wick to safe with Keanu Reeves and then back to John Wick again. But outside of that, though, I think this is a very underrated action movie. Of, uh, like I said, Statham's really good in it. There's a lot of good fight scenes in there. There's a lot of pretty solid one-liners in there. Like there's this one where he has a gun pointed to a guy, a, a Russian guy, and and one of the guys is like, didn't you used to be a garbage man? And Statham's like, you were wrong. I didn't collect the trash. I disposed of it and and shot him in the head. It, it, it's badass in the movie, I promise. Yeah, but yeah. the movie's good. That sounds fun. That sounds like a fun action movie. Well, very good. So we're going to take a hard left, as you like to say, <laughs> for my next one. And we're going to talk about the Christmas contract. Like they said, oh, they have a lot of Christmas movies on Amazon Prime and really fun ones. Not that many Hallmark ones. Most of them are, are Lifetime. And this is Lifetime. And it's called The Christmas Contract. And it's about this woman. She's planning on taking her boyfriend up uh, to meet her uh, her parents and uh, she they have uh, she's she lives in like I think it's Louisiana anyway they have like gumbo and other things like that 
there and it's a little bit of a warm setting that you typically don't have in these these movies these hallmark or lifetime movies and then her boyfriend dumps her so she's stuck without her boyfriend and she doesn't want to be single at the christmas events uh, again and so she decides she makes this deal with this guy that she knows they sign this christmas contract that he'll pretend to be her boyfriend and so they go to their house in louisiana and all kinds of hijinks ensue and it's hillary burton and robert buckley and i love both of them so much i think they have really nice chemistry they were in one tree hill together so they've worked together in the past and uh this is just really funny and sweet and if you like these kind of rom-coms then you'll enjoy it for sure the movie kind of sounds like that netflix movie holiday where it's like the two people are make a contract where they'll be each other's yeah. for various holidays but this is definitely like pg or g and holiday is an r-rated film so. Uh, so one's for kids one's for adults yeah exactly <laughs> so i i i think if you want kind of a silly over the top enjoyable christmas rom-com the christmas contract's a lot of fun so what do you have next so my next choice and uh this may be walking a bit of a tightrope because this is a star trek movie and i know you're screaming at your screens right now ryan Star Trek is one of the biggest franchises ever. What are you doing? Hear me out. The common logic when it comes to the Star Trek movies is that the odd-numbered movies are bad and the even-numbered movies are good. Well, I'm going to make a defense for Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie had the unfortunate task of following up easily the best Star Trek movie ever made, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I just recently watched that movie for the first time and it was unbelievably good. Yeah. So Star Trek three basically had to climb Mount Everest to try and be half as good as Wrath of Khan. And I think in that regard, people do treat it a little unfairly because I watched this for the first time recently and I enjoyed it just as much as I did Wrath of Khan. Is it, is it as good as Wrath of Khan? No, I don't think so. But I think there's I think there's more than enough to enjoy it. I think I think this movie has an incredibly compelling story. Uh, it it works around the whole Spock death thing in a way that at first you're like what, but then when you put two and two together, you're like okay, it's starting to. It, it's like jazz. You 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 just roll with it. Uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and the entire original cast are in here. Leonard Nimoy actually directed this movie, and uh, and he also directed A Voyage Home, just for all you trivia nerds out there. And, of course, this cast is all just fantastic. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite sequences of the movie is when, basically, just for context's sake, uh, then-Admiral Kirk is basically relieved of, com of his command of the Enterprise. And so... He tries to get it back by staging this Ocean's Eleven level operation to try and get him, McCoy, Uhura, and, and Sulu onto the Enterprise. And I'm not doing it justice. It's such a fun sequence. But, uh, but Sulu has a one-liner at the end that is just 
that's just absolutely amazing. This guard basically calls him Tiny, and then as they're all getting away in the elevator, he's like, don't call me Tiny. Like, that's just, just great delivery by George Takei. Uh, again, I do understand why people wouldn't like Star Trek Three, but I really dug it. It's my father's favorite Star Trek movie, and it's up there among mine. I think, I think it's, I think it's underrated and it's misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that I think it is underrated. I, I, I like it quite a bit. In fact, I'm not a huge fan of the fourth film, which other people love it. It's so silly that it was kind of shocking to me. Uh, to so wait, you mean to say that what that Captain Kirk and, and Mr. Spock going back in time to save the whales isn't silly? no <laughs> yeah it's a little much for me and i was so i i was so surprised because i was just watching them not realizing kind of that it was going to happen and so i go from watching three to then four and i was just like what this is so silly um but uh, yeah i mean there's some stuff with with a uh, uh the Kirstie Alley's character, um, and actually, has... uh, actually, Kirstie Alley was Savick in two only. It was played by a different actress in three. Robin Curtis, that's her name. Oh, okay, yeah. So, what the, the what she has to do in order to bring Spock back to life is a little bit strange, <laughs> um, but uh, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is definitely underrated, and I, I liked it. I mean, I don't like it as much as Rathacon, uh, because Rathacon is such a good, clean sci-fi movie. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's trying, trying to replicate the quality of, of Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan is a Herculean task, whether it's in the Star Trek universe or not. But I, mm -hmm. I think three... I think three just kind of suffered due to just expectations alone. And, yeah. it, and to all of you who haven't seen this movie in a very long time, I do recommend you check it out again, at, at least for the Christopher, Christopher Lloyd performance as the, as the lead Klingon. He's yeah, he is funny. Him. He hams it up. He has the time of his life. Go! Get out of there! And then the, the final battle of the end where Kirk just throws him off the cliff and he's like, I have had enough of you <laughs> it, it, it's it's such a kirk line and, and it's fantastic i think the most underrated star trek though is undiscovered country the sixth one i think is is underrated i out with christopher Plummer as your bad guy in that one and i, I really like that one a lot and uh, i feel like you never hear it getting talked about uh, but all right, very good choice. Uh, so my next choice is an animated film, and it was on my list of it was on my list of my favorite DreamWorks animated films that we did for Movie Nerds Club this month, and it was or last month I should say, uh, and it was Megamind, and I just think Megamind is really funny. I it basically does all the things Despicable Me does, but I think it does it better. I think it's funnier. I think uh, the animation's better. I like the whole arc of Brad Pitt's character. I think is funny. 
uh, as this sort of archetypal hero. And then you have Megamind, who is the villain, uh, but is he the villain? And uh, it's, I don't know, I just, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, Megamind is really underrated. Uh, it's got, it's got one of my favorite Will Ferrell performances. Mm-hmm. Really good performance from Brad Pitt. And it's, it's a very interesting story too. It kind of explores the question of what happens if the villain wins? You know, what if all of a sudden one day the Joker gets Batman at the end of the day? Or mm-hmm. what happens when, what happens if Lex Luthor were to destroy Superman, you know, and it, it answers the question of it's like one needs the other, just like it, they, they work like a yin yang relationship. They're different, but it's like the whole opposites attract kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's your next pick? So my next pick, in kind of keeping with a, uh, keeping with a, an accidental double feature of underrated entries in famous franchises, uh, I'm going to be talking about On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This is notorious among the James Bond canon as the only Bond movie to star George Lazenby. Uh, this <clears throat> this would be his only time in the role until it would go back to Co- to Sean Connery. May he rest in peace. For one movie and then on to Roger Moore. So it, it, so if like Sean Connery and Roger Moore were like two Oreo cookies, then George Lazenby would be the cream in the middle. Uh, and in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, James Bond plays, well, let me back that up. George, George Lazenby plays James Bond and Bond is after Spectre yet again and Blofeld but at the same time, he falls in love with a, uh, with a mob boss's daughter. And what I like about this movie is that James Bond is, no, is notorious for his womanizing. It's like he wears a tuxedo, drives an Aston Martin, drinks a vodka martini, shaken, not stirred, and he woos women. That's like his four cornerstones of like his character in a nutshell. But in this, he actually tries to pursue an actual relationship and tries to know this woman and tries to tries to get along with her. I liked that. I thought it was a very nice departure that we wouldn't see until Casino Royale with Bond and Vesper Lind, played brilliantly by Eva Green, by the way. Uh, the woman is named Tracy and she's played by Diana Rick, who would have a long and lengthy career. Uh, she's probably, her most recent work is she was, and I'm gonna try and get this name right, Oleana Terrell in Game of Thrones. Mm. And uh, she was also Emma Peel in The Avengers. No, not the MCU Avengers, The Avengers, the British spy television show. So she is, she's still acting to this day. She was actually in the Black Narcissus show for Peacock. So, uh, or wait, was it Peacock? But I think she actually just passed away. Let me check. Yes, September 10th. So yes, she did. May she rest in peace. But anyway, she has had a long and story career, and Blofeld in this is played by Telly Savalas, who would eventually become Kojak in the Kojak television show. So a lot of uh, a lot of actors in here who would go on to do much bigger and better things. But Honor Majesty's Secret Service is one of those Bond movies that doesn't get talked about that often, and I think it should just for the dynamic between Bond and Tracy alone. It also has really good action, especially this particular scene near the opening on a beach. I won't go any further than that. 
and the ending is legitimately heartbreaking. I will not spoil it, but it's it's one of those it's one of the best Bond endings ever. In that it's just it's so effective in what it tries to convey, and it's just it's it's a rough ending, but it's it's still it's still a chef's kiss. Cool. I actually haven't seen that one. I there's actually a lot of the Bonds that I haven't seen, especially the older Bonds. Uh, so. Uh, that I was actually thinking about that, that come uh, whenever we finally get to see the new one, that we should do like a best and worst of James Bond. That would be fun. I would, I would be down for that. Yeah, that would be fun. Anyway, my next pick is admittedly maybe a little bit of a stretch as a hidden gem because it was very highly praised and won Oscars and all those kind of things when it came out but that was 1987 and a lot of people don't know movies from the 80s and this is broadcast news and this is such a great script a great movie uh, it is directed and written by James L. Brooks who is just such an incredible talent who was such a credible talent of he he's responsible for shows like the Mary Tyler Moore show and all of those spinoffs he is one of the the creators of the Simpsons uh, he's just an incredible mind and in this movie you have uh, William Hurt uh, playing sort of the, the flashy anchor the flashy reporter and then you have Albert Brooks who is kind of your not flashy but talented guy and he, and then you have Holly Hunter who's the producer of this news program and basically like both men are kind of in love with Holly Hunter's character and the Albert Brooks character has to kind of see her sort of be uh be won over by this kind of arrogant rude guy uh by played by william uh uh, and william hurt and uh and you just feel for his character so much but then he's he's also a bit of a sad sack in certain ways but so he's he's a pretty well-rounded character like you like him and you don't like him which is what you kind of want And, and he uh there's some great writing with him and uh holly hunter's really great in it was nominated for a bunch of oscars but it was really good and uh and so if you haven't seen it you should definitely watch it it's a really good movie yeah i was actually in the library the other day and i saw this and i saw this dvd it was the criterion dvd and i picked Mm -hmm. it up and i was like should i watch this and then I ended up putting it back. So I was literally like this close to checking it out. So, but mm-hmm. now, but now with that in mind, I'll, I'll definitely have to pull the trigger and check it out. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's good acting, good writing. And uh, so, yeah, you have to let me know what you think if you ever, if you check it out. So what's your next pick? So my final pick is uh, from 1952 and it is one of my favorite John Wayne performances. It is called The Quiet Man. Uh, this, like I said, this was released in 1952. It was directed by John Ford, uh, one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion. He directed The Searchers, he directed Stagecoach, uh, directed The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and uh, The Grapes of Wrath. He had a long and lengthy career, especially with John Wayne. They, it, The Johns, the John and John connection. I just literally just thought about that. But anyway... <laughs> The Quiet Man is not a Western, it, and uh, it's about 
It's about a man who is a former American boxer. He is now retired and basically is content on living out the rest of his days in a farm on the Irish countryside. But then he falls in love with a woman named Mary Kate, played by Maureen O'Hara, who had a long and lengthy career, especially in movies like The Miracle on 34th Street, the original. Uh, I remember watching this movie, especially in preparation for when I took my trip to Ireland and, and watching this, I was like, wow, Ireland is so beautiful. And yeah, the movie didn't do it justice, but, uh, but this movie is definitely underrated in John Wayne's canon. I think people know him more for his roles in Searchers and, and Stagecoach and all that. And that's an awesome legacy to have, but in the rare instances where John Wayne did slow down and wasn't like the fill your hand USOB and like not like doing his yeah. doing his shtick he was actually quite underrated as an actor and could more than carry his own the chemistry that he has between Maureen O'Hara between him and Maureen O'Hara is yeah. great they have many great scenes with each other and and what I like about it is that their chemistry is so good that when they do have their occasional rough patches, you have a feeling that they're going to work it out. And they do. And it's, it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the Quiet Man is especially underrated in terms of John Wayne, John Ford, you know, and just, just them in general. Because around like the early to mid-1950s, that was like John Wayne at like the height of his powers. So if you haven't seen this movie, I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, it's really good, and you get to see one of the most famous kisses in all movies, which is really fun. In fact, later on in E.T., you'd see that same kiss uh, in, in E.T., in the famous scene where they're watching, uh, E.T.'s watching uh, The Quiet Man, and Elliot does kisses the girl in the, in the, at school, oh, just like in... I completely forgot about that, uh-huh yeah so it, it's a it's a really good movie i enjoy it very much uh so next for my last pick i have the secret life of bees and uh this i is an adaptation of a uh of a book that i really enjoyed that was a big popular book club book secret life of bees by sue monk kid and it's adapted by gina prince blythewood and uh blythewood and you talked about one of her movies beyond the lights i think either last week or the week before not too long ago beyond the lights and so she does a really good job of taking scenes that could be kind of cliche and making them feel real and authentic and uh in you know we we kind of talk sometimes you have the, the white savior trope well in this case you actually have in here you have a family of uh black sisters that take in a young white girl that's being abused by her father and uh kind of what happens in their story and i really like it i think it's it's really good it uh it has queen latifah in it who i always like it's got dakota fanning as the young girl jennifer hudson alicia keys and they're all doing a good job with their performances and uh so yeah i i, I like it. i think it's a good movie they're beekeepers that's why it's called secret life of bees yeah, this movie came out around the time when I was like, 
chick flick you know I was very dumb like that and <laughs> I, I remember I remember my my mom really liking it and so I never really gave it the time of day but but I uh, I do I do really want to go back to it because it it feels like it feels like it's a really good story I mean just just the uh, the singing talent between Alicia Keys and Jennifer Hudson alone that's like <laughs> that Huge. that's like that's huge in and of itself yeah yeah so and people should check it out so there we go we did it <laughs> so let us know if you have seen any of these films what you think of them and what do you think are some fun stuff to be watching on amazon prime right now let us know in the comments section or on twitter we'd love to have your thoughts and ryan where can people find you uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, just simply RyanCam. A lot of content coming up this week. Uh, Rachel and I are, are recording this on a Tuesday, which means my video for It Happened One Night dropped yesterday on Monday. On Wednesday, my video for A Streetcar Named Desire, a, a part of the AFI project I forgot to mention, uh, a Streetcar Named Desire, that'll be dropping on Wednesday. Then on Friday, my video for the Hitchcock classic Rear Window will be dropping. And then on Saturday, y'all are getting a double shot because I'll be reviewing episodes five and six of The Mandalorian. And then later on, I'll be dropping my installment of the movie Nerds Club, which will be top five female-led action movies. And, and that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a good time. So if you all haven't subscribed to me, please do. I ask you humbly. I put a lot of time into the channel. I'm very proud of it. So if you haven't checked me out, give me a chance. Definitely you all should. It's really good stuff over there. And uh, yeah, and you can find me here at Rachel's Reviews all over social media and on iTunes and also at the Hallmarkies podcast. And uh, if you haven't been checking out those, we've got tons of good interviews, including where I interviewed Robert Buckley, who I talked about earlier in the episode. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. And then also we have our patron group, which we are having live watch along coming up uh, next week. And so you don't want to miss that. And it's only $2 a month to join. Also have our merch store, which has uh, lots of festive new designs. So check that out. We'd really appreciate it. And thanks again, everybody. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone.